Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Rattled and Shook is released weekly, every Thursday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad-free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. April. And I'm Meredith. This is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we tell scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears. But in a fun way. Thanks for tuning in again. Hope you liked episode one. Yeah, our pilot episode. I think probably most people know that a pilot episode is a television term for like a first episode. And I remember when I learned the term pilot, and it's kind of a funny story. Do tell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first time I saw the word pilot I was watching Lost, and the first episode was called Pilot, and I was like, that's a great name, because the plane goes down. And then I remember I watched another episode of some unrelated TV show, probably Gossip Girl, and I remember it also had the name Pilot, and I was like, that's weird. Hold on, something's up. And then that's how I Googled and learned that had a meaning. So were you just like pouring through the pilot of Gossip Girl going like, where is the plane? I think I was like, that's a strange choice. And also, did they know that Lost already did that? Yeah. Get your own ideas, Gossip Girl. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed our pilot. (laughs) Um, And we're so glad to have you with us. We're going to do more of what we did in episode one. (laughs) Except this time. Better. And with a guest. Oh, yes. With a guest. Terry. Terry's here with us. He's going to join us in a second. And Mm -hmm. don't worry. We figured out uh, the payment. We are flush with cash. So we were (laughs) able to come to some sort of agreement. And make it rain. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. And if you don't know who Terry Carnation is, then you won't get that joke, and that would be weird. But you I should really look hope it up now. You do. Nice. There's no way you're not putting that in. <laughs> so on that note, here's Terry. Let's dial him in. Okay. Beep boop. Oh, here he is. Hello. Hello, Terry. Hello. Hi, me, Terry Carnation. I'm so excited to be on your show, rattled and shook. You might not have recognized me. I'm. I'm clean-shaven today, of all things. And why is that? Uh, wedding. 
Oh, I had to attend a wedding. I'm a little hungover. <laughs> so this this helps. I'm actually, I don't know if you call it hungover if it's crystal meth, but there's no better time for some scary stories than after a night of binging in the old pipe. Oh, yeah, totally. That's our slogan. Thank you. Yes, good. That is your slogan. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. What, what do we got? Well, firstly, we're big fans, but we'd like to ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners just on the off chance that they don't know who you are. Oh, stop it. Uh, Terry Carnation, what can I say? Uh, Longtime radio disc jockey. I am no stranger to the airwaves. Host of Dark Air and a longtime uh, purveyor of VHS tapes at the Radio Rental House. Um, Proud cat owner of Malachi. Intradimensional traveler. And um, I have to say that not a day goes by where I don't miss intensely Alex Trebek. Agreed. April, what do you have to say for yourself? Uh, <laughs> She's a little in awe of meeting Terry Carnation. A little, yeah, a little starstruck by meeting Terry Carnation. It happens. Yeah. It happens, April. Um, well, I am a big horror fan, and I hear you are as well, and I'd love to know what your favorite movie is. Favorite horror movie? Oh, so many. I would say the one that had the most profound influence on me uh, was when I was a tiny boy, I watched with my father, Vincent Price, in The Fly. The original Fly, not that abomination with that Jeff Goldblum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at the end of that tiny fly with the human face saying, help me, help me. <laughs> and that is a perfect uh, manifestation of my internal state. Mm -hmm. Wait, what do you have against Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> Nothing against Jeff Goldblum, but apparently uh, he was married to Gina Davis, who's one of the most beautiful women on the planet. She still is. Also, she's an archer, and he let her go. And for that, I'll never forgive him. Wow. I'm a big Jeff Goldblum fan, and that's actually a really good reason. Isn't it? Right? Her arrow release is unlike any other woman I've ever seen. I'm a huge fan of female archery. And you like tall women, too, as I remember. Yes. M merely because they have, a, they have a better line on the target. Mm. Oh, right, right, of course. <laughs> I guess I'd be very bad at archery. You'd be the worst, April. <laughs> Um, okay, so we have a couple of scary stories that we'd like to play for you, and we'd really like your thoughts on them. Mm. April has curated the selection today. Yes. Excellent. Yes, very carefully curated. Very good. Here we go. Years ago, when I was 11, I was staying home alone with only my little brother, who was seven. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. Who leaves their children, ages 11 and 7, home by themselves, whoever these parents are? should be locked up and thrown in jail alongside Jeff Goldblum. Let's continue. At that time, it was about 9 p.m., dark and pouring rain, and we were reading in our room right next to the front door with a big window and open blinds. That's when I hear the front doorbell ring, followed by knocking. I thought my parents had arrived. Strange, though, that they didn't use the garage or their keys. I looked outside to see their car but nothing but rain. As I approach the door, I hear a man's voice that was not my father's yell through the torrent. Would you like some cookies? We're selling Girl Scout cookies. I'm shocked at this, considering the weather and time of day. I will never pass up a cookie. <laughs> Sometimes you visit websites and it says accept all cookies and I am like, please, yes. <laughs> 
Be my guest. Have I received any cookies? Every day I wait at the mailbox. No cookies. So I hope this young lad doesn't pass up on this opportunity. Let's see what happens next. Saying nothing, I check the peephole and peer through the side window only to see it was not a father with his girl as I expected. My heart dropped. Standing there was just a fully grown man, maybe in his late 50s, no box of cookies in sight, soaking on my doorstep. I can remember the gut-wrenching feeling of having to check the locks while he was right on the other side. For sure he heard this. The two locks were the only thing separating myself and brother from a potential monster. He continued to knock and mention his cookies, as I considered calling the cops. That's when I remembered the blinds were open in my room where my brother was, with the light on. As I turn the corner into the doorway, I see the man carefully peering into our window, possibly eyeing my brother, distracted in his book. My heart was pounding now as I began to panic. In a move that took all of my willpower, I quickly turned off the lights and ran over to the window to close the blinds, in full view of the man. As fast as I could, I double-checked all the locks in the house, closed all the blinds, and told my brother to go hang out in one of the big closets in the interior of the house. No windows there. I didn't tell him what was going on so he wouldn't be frightened and for some reason I never did call the cops or my parents. I just waited in the hallway until he left. Still thinking about it gives me shivers, mostly that so many things could have gone wrong that night. My worst fear since is a stranger getting to the unlocked door before I do. Okay, how do they know he doesn't have cookies. I mean, they could have been concealed. I would have opened the door, but look at how I ended up. <laughs> um, yes, I was hoping that the story would have ended with seeing the gentleman fly into the air like a like a bat, transform into a bat. That would have been a better story. <laughs> mm. That would have been a better story. Yeah, I vote for that ending. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see if we can one-up this. Let's play the next one. Can't wait. My patient died on the wing I work on. She was terminal, but not expected to go immediately. She was going to a facility with hospice after a fairly long battle with cancer. She was scheduled to go early the next morning. Husband had plans on meeting her there. Everything was set up. She was in good spirits. Her assessment was fine. Took her medications and said she was going to watch the news, then take a nap. An hour later, I go to check on her. I'm quietly checking her IV, making sure her stuff is in reach, move her table, and then notice she was gone. Sitting up, holding onto the side rail. She honestly looked like she was sleeping, but no heartbeat and no respirations. Most of the time when people expire, their mouth drops open and it's very obvious. With her? Nope. I had to call a coworker to confirm. I was expecting a wake up, but she was gone. I attempted to contact her husband who I couldn't reach and started the paperwork in addition to attending to my other patients. A few minutes later, I'm by the central desk and someone asks, where were you? And I told them I was giving medication down the hall. I see two of the other nurses exchange looks, but nurses are weird and since they didn't elaborate, I continue on my nightly duties. Nurses are weird. Oh, I'm sorry, doctor. <laughs> are they really? Saving people's lives, cleaning bedpans? 
the actual running of the hospital? Yeah. Are they weird, doctor, whatever your name is? Doctor, last name. <laughs> Seriously? I'm at the very end of the hall doing some patient education, and the charge nurses come and get me. I assume the husband is calling back, but that wasn't the case. Apparently, as I've been caring for my other patients at the opposite end of the ward, there have been phone calls coming out of the deceased patient's room to the central station. Several of them. No answer, just breathing. I mean, this has to be a prank, right? Phone rings, I look and see the patient's room number on caller ID, I walk in the room, phone is neatly on the bedside table, TV is off and deceased patient looks like she's napping. I check the bathroom, it's empty. I'm gonna leave the door open halfway, I say as I leave the room. No more phone calls. But the next hour, alarms go off in empty rooms, call lights come on for patients that can't move, an important piece of equipment died, and the dementia patient keeps complaining about the other patient that keeps coming into her room, loosely fitting the description of the deceased. The husband finally comes to the unit because he knew why I was calling. He spends a few minutes with her, and when he comes out of the room, he finds me and says, She told me this morning she didn't ever want to go to a nursing home. Well, I guess she meant it. After that, everything returned to normal. Well, normal as far as hospitals go. Wow. That's a creepy story. I got the tingles on that one. We don't think about hospital rooms being haunted, do we? Pretty much every corner of that building, someone has died there <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of death per square footage. Right. Every hospital room you go into, I bet between 37 and 184 people have died in that room. Mm, that's a very specific range. <laughs> I just did some, some, some quick calculations. That's how I roll. <laughs> what do you think, uh, April? Thoughts? I, I kind of like her style. I like that she's sort of prank calling people in the hospital after death. Mm -hmm. I think I, I'd like to think that I would do something like that. It's almost like she gained superpowers upon upon passing. Yeah. Like, oh, I can operate the telephone system and set off alarms. It's true. Ghost powers. Mm. I think this absolutely can happen. I think that the deceased can interact in the land of the living and... Um, she was probably angry about the the food. <laughs> yeah, actually, that reminds me. One time I was visiting my grandparents at their assisted living facility, and I was having dinner with my grandfather in the cafeteria area. And the night before, someone had passed away, and some of the residents were just finding out about it at that dinner. And there was this man in there causing a ruckus, and he was like, it's because of the food. He died because of the food. He told me that it was because of the food. And all the nurses were laughing like, ha, ha, oh, Ernie. And he was just deadpan like, no, I know it's because of the food. <laughs> I mean, I finished my dinner and now I'm here. So I guess, <laughs> I guess it was fine. When I was a kid, I, I was paranoid that my stepmom was poisoning me. Tell us more. Yeah. So sometimes I'd come home from school and she'd say, oh, would you like some yogurt? A wave of terror would pass through my body. <laughs> I was pretty young. I was about five or six years old. I didn't even know how poison worked. I'd seen it in movies with a dropper with a skull and crossbones on it. Classic. Did you ever feel a little woozy after eating something she gave you? I never showed those kind of physical symptoms, but mental deterioration, certainly. My brain doesn't work the way it should. <laughs> 
now a word from our sponsors. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Okay, it's game time. We have some multiple choice questions for you, but of course, they're all in a horror theme. Okay. And here's the first one. If you had to live in one of the following haunted or horrific establishments, which one would you live in and why? Bates Motel from Psycho, the Overlook Hotel from The Shining, the Lighthouse from the movie The Lighthouse, 55 Central Park West, otherwise known as the building from Ghostbusters, or the Amityville Horror House from Amityville Horror. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Ghostbusters uh, Interdimensional Portal. Hello. Amityville Horror. I don't like flies. Uh, Bates Motel. Uh, nice showers. That's certainly an And uh, Overlook Hotel. Burned down. Oh, true. Oh, yeah, that's right. In the book, not in the movie. That's a good point. Yeah, so I would go with uh, the Ghostbusters building. Those apartments are really nice. They're very nice. Parquet floors. Mm. Plus Rick Moranis. How how much fun would it be to have him as a neighbor? Yeah, that would be pretty much a dream. Um. Okay, next question. If you had to wear one of the following iconic outfits from a horror movie, which one and why? Beetlejuice's striped suit, the flower crown and dress from Midsummer, Pennywise's clown outfit, Carrie's prom dress, Freddy Krueger's fedora, Dracula's cape. Well, for me as an entrepreneur, I'm going to have to go with whatever outfit um, I could capitalize on best. And I think Pennywise would enable one to work children's parties and maybe even show up and visit people's houses in the middle of the night. Maybe if you donned the clown outfit and then went to that kid's house that night selling cookies, he may have opened the door. Mm Mm-hmm. I would look beautiful in a flower garland, though. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. Okay, so next we have a version of the game, Kill F*** Mary. Have you ever played that game before? Uh, I've I've played it in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess you'll be good at this then. Mm -hmm. Our version of this game is called Snuff, Stuff, or Cuff. First round. Snuff, Stuff, or Cuff, Rosemary's Baby, Jason Voorhees... Or the red balloon from it. Well, you're not you're not talking about the baby itself. No, we're talking about the baby. <laughs> okay. Which is Satan. Yes. Which is Satan. Just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not an actual baby. It's not a little human baby. No, no. Okay. Uh 
I would marry Jason. I would stuff the red balloon. I've never, I've never fucked a balloon before, just to be <laughs> frank. I mean, I have put my penis into some fascinating objects, uh, but never a balloon. And I just want to see if that's possible. And I would uh, kill Satan himself in the guise of Rosemary's baby. I think that's some sound thinking. Yeah. All right. Okay. Round two. Snuff, stuff, or cuff. R.L. Stein, the author of Goosebumps. The Creature from the Black Lagoon, or Papa from Stranger Things. What is Stranger Things? Of Netflix? Have you seen Stranger Things? I don't pay for television, okay? I have (laughs) rabbit ears and I watch free television. Thank you very much. Never seen it, not interested. I would definitely be open to interspecies lovemaking with the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's I'll I'll just leave it at that. I'm not sure if the creature has a vagina, but... It certainly has a mouth. It does. (laughs) Okay, same game, third round. Hannibal Lecter, The Babadook, or Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc.? Hmm. I can't stand uh, Billy Crystal, so I'm going to uh, snuff Mike from Monsters, Incorporated. (laughs) Wow, Billy Crystal and Jeff Goldblum. Say, I'm going to marry the Babadook who is simply a misunderstood childhood trauma at the end of the day. And I am a walking manifestation of misunderstood childhood trauma. So I think that would be, I would stuff Hannibal Lecter. Hopefully uh, come out of the situation with my uh, mortality intact. You could have him wear that mask he wears when they transfer him. Right. Mm. Straight jacketed Hannibal Lecter. That's how I would modify that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So this is our final round. And it's the 80s round. Snuff, stuff, or cuff? The blob, the thing, or Audrey 2, the plant from Little Shop of Horrors? So I would stuff the blob so pillowy. <laughs> um, I would snuff Audrey 2, probably because I just kill plants. I don't have a green thumb. <laughs> I would try taking care of Audrey 2, and she would just die. And the thing, is that the thing from... Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing? Yes. I'm not sure what a long-term monogamous relationship would be like. Yeah. But I'm I'm game. <laughs> win-win. And our final game here is a bracket game. Who would win in a fight? Great. First round, it's Chucky versus Annabelle. Mm, Chucky's going to win in a fight in a heartbeat in the Battle of the Dolls. He's the fiercest badass. And how many Chucky movies have there been? Way more than Annabelle. That's a great point. Chucky all the way. All right. I like that. Okay, so Chucky advances. And now it's Chucky versus Megan. Ah, ooh. Interesting. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's still, still got to go with Chucky. He survived the 80s, the 90s, the aughts. And it's 2023. He's still going. Yeah, I don't think the circuitry or the, or the programming would uh, thwart him in any way. Going with Chucky all the way. So going with animatronics versus CGI. He's scrappy. Yes, yes. Okay, so last round. Chucky's been the undefeated champion thus far, but will he beat our final contender? It's Chucky versus Jason Statham. Oh, wow. The Stath. I'm going to have to go with Statham. Uh, That's right. Yes, I know you're aghast. <laughs> you're agog. Your jaw dropped literally. Martial arts, steely gaze. I think Jason Statham could take Chucky. Wow. 
All right. Well, that concludes our games. Thank you for playing. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to these scary stories with us. Hope we see you again soon. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Ladies of Rattled and Shook, it's my most sincere pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What a delicious conversation. Terry Carnation out. Would you look at that? It's ad time. Well, that was fun. How fun? I feel like Radio Rental is our fun uncle. Radio Rental, yes. He's the uncle who uh, shows you movies that uh, you should not watch. Uh-oh. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? More on April's childhood <laughs> later. And in the meantime, a lot of sci-fi horror from the 70s and 80s. Actually, actually, I can <laughs> I can super relate to that with my uncle, too. Okay. But yeah, we're going to get into more scary stories. We got a what do we got on the docket is uh, spooky some, vibes. Mm-hmm, spooky vibes, some classic spooky vibes. Some nice old school spooky vibes. Let's see. <laughs> the first house I owned was a little brick craftsman style bungalow built in the 1910s in the Congress Park neighborhood of Denver. I bought the house from the estate of a woman who had passed away. My first incident was while changing bulbs in a light over the bathroom mirror. The door was open right behind me. Suddenly the door swung towards the closed position, but since I was in its way, it hit me pretty firmly in my butt. I figured my cat had tried to get behind the door to explore, but she was asleep out in the living room. No vent pointed in a direction that could have blown it closed if the furnace had kicked on. I brushed it off as a, huh, that was weird. Weeks later, I woke up suddenly in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. There was a nightlight in the hallway that cast a small sliver of light through my door. The door was cracked open so that the cat could get to her litter box, which I did not keep in the bedroom. The sliver widened and widened as the door opened. I figured it was the cat entering the room, but then I noticed her asleep at the foot of my bed. She sat up and looked toward the doorway. I heard footsteps on the creaky wooden floor moving from the door to the foot of my bed. The cat turned her head as they went, like she was watching something move across the room. She didn't hiss or freak out. She was just watching. There was no feeling of malevolence. Then she laid down and went back to sleep. This happened exactly the same way a few times over the course of a year. No drama, just very weird. I would have been freaking out if my cat went nuts over it, but she just calmly watched something go across the room each time, then went back to sleep. One night, my sister and brother-in-law stayed over on their way through town, and I let them have my room. The next morning, my sister's husband asked if I had ever had any weird experiences in the house. I asked him why he wanted to know. He described the door opening and footsteps crossing the room exactly as had been happening to me. I had never told him 
my sister, or literally anyone about this. I'd often hear noises in the kitchen like someone was cooking. The sound of pots and pans being moved. The oven door closing. Nothing was ever out of place. One night, a friend was over to watch a movie. I had mentioned none of this to him. At some point, he muted the TV, held his hand up to shush me, and listening intently, he asked, who's in the kitchen? Then, one night came, one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. The door opened, sliver of light, footsteps to the foot of my bed, same as always. When out of the darkness, a woman's voice said, take me to the hospital. It was breathy, but plain as day. To get the idea, speak while exhaling and inhaling. Sorry, it's the only way I know how to describe it. I freaked out and slept on the couch in the living room for a week. Later, I asked the neighbors if they knew who'd lived in the house before me. They said that she was a nice woman, 83 years old. She had raised her family there. Her son lived in town and came to check on her regularly. One morning, he found she passed away during the night in her sleep. I assume in what was now my bedroom, since there was only two and the second bedroom was pretty small. I did a record search and found the deed history. It belonged to a husband and wife, Michael and Evelyn. No idea when Michael had passed, the neighbors didn't mention him. A few months later, the door and footstep thing happened again. No voice this time. I sat up and calmly said, Evelyn, Michael has been waiting for you. He loves and misses you. I think you should go be with Michael. I didn't feel anything special. Nothing like someone just went into the light kind of thing. That was the last time anything unexplainable ever happened in that house for the following three years that I lived there. Well, first I think we need to try saying take me to the hospital that way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you literally can't do that. <laughs> Wait, how about you I'm... exhale? You say it and exhale and then I will inhale. Nice. I don't have a good lung capacity. Wait, so. Could you be saying like, take me to the hospital? Oh, I'm going to take me to the hospital. Take me to the hospital. Take me to the hospital. It sounds terrible. <laughs> I mean that that would be terrifying. Usually, I feel like I hear like a bump in the night story, but not with like a specific line, not like anything uh -huh. verbal. Yeah, yeah, I would not like that. I would be out of there. Oh, if I heard that. I would freak the hell out. I mean, I've had like sleep paralysis moments where I have heard voices and it was really freaky. What did you hear? Oh, well, one time I heard um, it sounded like a little girl whisper my name in my ear. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't say that. Well, the thing, <laughs> the reason why I heard that is because it's one of my fears. You know, my brain was with me. <laughs> You're putting ideas in my brain. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. I could scare the crap out of you with my stuff. One time, I'll tell you this one. No. Which one would scare you more? <laughs> I'm like, what should I say? One time, my back was to the doorway. I think like I kind of 
subconsciously felt exposed and I heard these little it sounded like little footsteps coming towards me no (laughs) I've heard some stories like people seeing like dark figures and stuff but Mm -hmm. um I've had I think what is literally paralysis where I was like I'm awake but I can't move oh and it felt like everything was blurry. And then eventually I was like, all right, gotta like, use all your strength. Like, use all your strength. You can move your arm. My mind is in crisis. My mm-hmm. body's just asleep. <laughs> um, and then eventually could move my arm up. It was probably just like the littlest twitch that I finally was able to do. And I woke up, but it felt like it was so long that I yeah. couldn't move my arm. I'm sure. Is that it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that sounds like it. It can literally, it can just happen to anybody. I've heard that there's ways that you can sleep that it happens more. Oh, if you like sleep on your, on your back. back? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think people feel more exposed on their back. And I do. I fully do. <laughs> I fully do. I'm a stomach sleeper. And it started because I had I was so afraid like for too long. For mm-hmm. too long. I slept on my stomach with my covers over my head. Oh, wow. How how did you breathe? I, I'm sure it was hard. <laughs> Will. That's our episode. Yeah. This has been fun. We made it through episode two. You made it through episode two. You must be enjoying this. You know what you should do if you're enjoying this? (laughs) Don't laugh. I'm just watching Meredith's face this whole time. (laughs) I have so much anxiety with that buildup. I'm just going to say this was really fun and Mm -hmm. we had a lot of fun doing this and we would love if you would write, review, and subscribe and let us know what you liked and what you want to hear more of. Yeah. Yeah. Not less of. You could leave that out. <laughs> but if you enjoyed uh, Terry, also let him know in the comments because maybe we'll get him back. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, wait, do we have a sign-off? We don't have a sign-off. How did we sign off last time? Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman. Hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman. Lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha. Additional production by Sean Nerney. Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook. <laughs>